Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Cinema Studs 5-Year Review. I am your host, Valendo Martinez. We are recording live from the land of the Kumeyaay, sunny San Diego, California. And I have with me another full panel for our episode today. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> I'm Alonso Martinez. Alex Vega here. I'm Aaron Ramirez. Matthew Rodriguez. <laughs> and Lucia Elena Ventura. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, I, you know what? I think Alex might like this movie. Alex, what did we watch for today's episode? Uh, for today's episode, we watched The Revenant, directed by Alejandro Iñárritu. That's right. And cinematography by? Cinematography by uh, Emmanuel Lubetsky. That's right. If I pronounce that um, right, I hope. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Lubetsky, I believe, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, we have a format on this on this show. Uh, first, we give off our uh, first impressions and uh, what do we uh, slash uh, what do we remember for uh, people that haven't seen it for the first. I think has everyone seen it? Everyone saw this, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Like rewatched it or like they? Oh, yeah, for me. Is... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say this is second viewing. Second view for Alex, Lucia. What about you? For me, it was the very first time, so I have first. Yes, okay. very first. I have a lot, lot to discuss. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first time watching it. This movie was actually like, what? oh my gosh! Yeah, like I, had, you know how you, like everybody has that list of like movies that you really want to see, but you just don't give a shit. This was like. <laughs> Yes. You always say, I need to be in the right mood. The planets need to be aligned. Then I could watch it. And then it just never happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, he actually mentioned that in a different episode. I think uh, we were talking about movies that we'd watched over quarantine or movies that we needed to yeah. watch. I think Aaron brought up that yeah. still hadn't seen The Revenant. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Like in the shadows all these years. No, finally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing the fourth grader this episode that didn't do the book report till last night and is presenting like an outline during this viewing because I saw this movie like six years ago and I did not get to re-see it. So listeners, I'm going to be just kind of like, you know, the godlike figure that maybe like, you know, pops in and out every once in a while during this episode and lets everyone take their, take their little merry strolls along the way. Um, but you know, I'll provide insight when I can and see what I can say if I know what to say. <laughs> Matt's gonna like say a lot throughout the recording, like, oh, I remember that part. Exactly. Yeah, that'll be the extent of my interest, and uh, not interest, but my input in this film. I'll be like, yes, I do remember that clearly. Yes, Tom Hardy, okay. I remember him naked, of course, absolutely. <laughs> 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 and uh yeah me and Alonso, we saw this uh in the theater uh opening weekend and uh I, yeah i saw it a few times i don't know how many times you saw it yeah. a few times i know i saw it three times in the theater three times in the theater jeez louise i mean i had the option of once like deadpool but um, basically oh, oh. all right okay one so hot take already for hot a few takes. weeks we out yet. <laughs> all right uh cool so um uh, first impressions, uh, Lucia, Aaron, I, I'm fascinated. Goodness. 
what 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 did y'all think about uh this movie that could be said a lot about i well to go first i first of all i loved it but also i had this film on the radar for quite a second i told this to valenta but i haven't shared this with the group so i studied animation in college one of my professors she was dating the animator who animated the bear in the revenant um so i was taking oh. one of her classes i know very name dropping i don't mean to say it but it was just like a funny detail <laughs> Of how this movie is in my radar because she would like gossip, gossip like she's been with us. She's like, oh my God, me and my boyfriend, we're going to the Oscar party tonight, but we're going to Oscars. We're going to see like, you know, if he's going to win. And then the next class time you we were like, oh my God, we watched it. He didn't win. And she goes, I know. And she's like talking about how mad she is. She's like, oh, we were expecting, I wore my best dress. Like, you know, very like, it was weird outside of my mom. I was like, this is so crazy. Like I know approximately someone who worked on a film, like, I don't know, like very weird. So anyways, that was my impression where like the hype was, oh, the bear fight scene, the bear fight scene. Then I watched this and I'm like, the bear fight scene doesn't come even close to how juicy I found the indigenous character plot to be. Like, I thought that was so interesting. And then like also this detail where you have a white man in this these colonial American times who marries an indigenous woman, um, a Pawnee woman right has a mixed child and like this whole kind of not really properly addressed but like these kind of like uh what is it this like ethnic conflict where like there's still like you know very tense like you know indigenous versus settler kind of conflict and like how they're like op- you know navigating these lands and like you know I don't know like it's I'm probably not explaining it well because my brain is just like going full circuit but anyway I thought that was super interesting and it just like the bear fight paled in comparison to how juicy the plot was overall that i was like i don't even care about the bear like the bear could be like the most beautifully animated thing and also it kind of went into uncanny valley where it's like is the bear an actual bear because like it's starting to look like too computerized the it's like it's going past ambivalibility i'm going to stop myself from ranting but anyways mm-hmm. so the bear was great but then i loved the whole overall plot so that's like the part that got me really excited about it okay Mm-hmm. Yeah, sweet. Sounds good. Uh, Aaron? Uh, I like the movie. I think it's really good. It's in terms of like, I wouldn't rewatch really the movie just because it's not like I'm a comedy, like chillax <laughs> guy, like traditionally. So it's like, I would never rewatch this unless like a group really wanted to see it. But that being said, it's, I think it's objectively really good. Um, it really kind of humbled me because I was like, like oh, like whatever. I'm, like, I'm such a bitch about like what I complain about. Like this guy. Like, <laughs> Got mauled by a bear. He like fell off a horse, like off a cliff. He like got stabbed like three times, like in the leg. He ate like raw wolf or bison or whatever, like three times. Like, I don't know. I was just kind of like, I'm such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a movie, Aaron. Don't look at me. Trying to not happen, but sort of happened. So, <laughs> no, it's good. Um, yeah. And I, just, I remember like even. Like before I even watched it, I heard a lot about like Leo's like dedication to the role. Like, he like actually ate like raw liver meat and that kind of shit for this role. And like, he really went through the he went through like a whole Daniel Day Lewis kind of method moment for this movie. That being said, I kind of feel like I liked him in this movie a lot. I feel like this wasn't the Oscar movie for me. I wish he would have gotten it for something else. But yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's definitely a discussion we're having in this episode. <laughs> um, Matt, 
What did you remember? So I first off just got to say, Aaron, I love you because I am the same exact way. I'm not going to watch this film again. Probably won't. I, I did it for this podcast and I probably won't ever again in my life. Is it a good film? Wait. What? So is this a protest? <laughs> 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 What? what are you talking about? What? No, I would never do that. I would never. Am I the drama? Is that me? No. <laughs> I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna say I can't work, and then they're like, "Oh, they the <laughs> I could not find a legal service to stream this film, so I couldn't. <laughs> um, no, I wasn't able to see it just because of life circumstances. Quote, oh, that's unquote, okay. <laughs> that were brought in my way. But I, yeah, I have to agree with Aaron. Um, it's it's not something that I would gravitate to again. However, um, Leo is great in it. Um, I I know we'll discuss his performance a little bit more, but I, I don't want to spoil too much about that. My first impressions of this film was I didn't know anything about it going into it. I saw it with some really good friends of mine, um, family friends back in the day and they were like oh my god it's christmas let's go see the i think it was christmas it was was released either christmas or thanksgiving it was one of those two holidays and they were like hey let's go see the revenant and i'm like oh sure me thinking that it was going to be like you know a 90 minute film because we just had turkey or ham whichever holiday (laughs) food it was and we're just going to relax and it's going to be a good time no this film is like two hours and 36 minutes long and I was just like, okay, like it was good. It was entertaining, but at the same time, the gravy and whatever was in my stomach did not mix well and did not sit well with me the entire time I was watching this film. So it was hard for me to really hone in on it. That being said, Leo was great. Tom Hardy is always a pleasure. It's, it's always a pleasure to know him. Um, but I agree with Aaron. This was not the film that he, that Leo should have won the Oscar for. I mean, we'll get into what my opinion was for what I think he should have won for, but I think he it, it is a very, it, he really did hone in on the method style of like, you know, becoming the character. And he did that in the film that I believe he should have won the Oscar for that was set many decades, decades prior. And we'll talk about that film towards the end. <laughs> but it was a good okay. film. I liked it. I just won't watch it. Yeah. Again. Uh, Alex, what's up? Yeah. So I remember watching this movie in theaters only once. This is one of the few times that my family like got together and went out to go watch a movie because my parents are really bad at sitting through a movie <laughs> and actually staying awake the whole time. They fall asleep at every movie. I think my mom jokes that the only movie she's ever seen throughout without falling asleep is The Lion King, the animated movie. (laughs) But yeah, I remember there was a lot of hype around this movie um, because, uh, well, at least in my family, the the director, Alejandro Iñárritu, is part of the Three Amigos, one of the three directors that came out of Mexico and, you know, Mexicans and their, their nationalism, their, their national, their pride toward their nation. We had to go watch it for the culture. So we took my parents to go watch it. I remember my dad really liked it. And so did I, I really liked this movie. Um, 
the the big thing for me uh going into it was the whole idea about this movie being shot using only natural lighting and like manipulation of the natural light in the environment and i thought that was absolutely crazy like the the amount of uh, things that you'd have to do to manipulate light in such a way to get and achieve this look uh, from this movie is absolutely insane. So shout out to uh, Chivo, a friend of the show, Emmanuel Lubetsky. Uh, hopefully we can have him on sometime and uh, talk about the cinematography even more. But yeah, this the second viewing was great. It, it was, I think it opened up uh, even more because I think that I personally have changed a lot since watching it. And I think uh, what intrigued me the most this time was what intrigued Lucia, the the um, story of the uh, indigenous tribe, the Pawnee people, and their whole storyline throughout. Uh, that part got me really hooked and interested. And I was uh, kind of kind of made me sad that that wasn't something that stood out to me so much the first time around. But mm-hmm. I'm glad that this time it sunk in a lot more. And I think I appreciate that part of the movie like way better than uh, Leo's storyline, for sure. Alonzo, uh, first impressions. Like, what, 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 what you got? Um, yeah, I remember I saw the movie a couple times in theaters. Um, I, like, I, I like the movie overall. Um, I was impressed by the natural lighting and the fact that there's like almost little to no makeup in the movie. I remember, yeah, Leo winning the Oscar was like the highlight of that year, Oscar-wide. Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy was great. I wrote down. Should I say that? Go ahead, say it. It's, it's on brand with your character. <laughs> um, Tom Hardy is amazing, just like he was in Venom. Let's go. <laughs> you know why? No lies <laughs> detected. Wait, have you seen um... him? <laughs> You're going to ask him yes. a bunch of Venom questions? Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, um, which I thought was interesting, was the fact that it was shot on location was that I remember the crew members were complaining that they didn't like it because it was cold, rugged, and nasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but Inirutu basically, it felt like he was basically straight up just calling out like George Lucas, the way he did the prequels was like, mm-hmm. I think it was almost like the idea was like, if everybody was comfortable and relaxed, we would, we would feel good, but the movie would be garbage. But and basically it's like, he's saying like the other way around, the fact that we're shooting this on location, the fact that we're all miserable and we just want to get it over with, kind of gives the movie more like soul to it. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I remember Inarito's direction, um, especially coming off uh, off the back end of, uh, I think my favorite movie of his so far is uh, Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of uh, Ignorance. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Ignorance. And um, Chivo's cinematography, I thought I was blown away. And uh, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy and his accent uh, was interesting, but I, but I loved it. Um, the Native American aspect of this, uh, um, I, oh, I also have a name drop. Uh, I actually, I went to a powwow in Oceanside, uh, and I was talking to some guys like around the, uh, around the, like the, the year of 2015, and they were some of the extras in the film. 
and they got flown out from Canada to Argentina to the tip of Argentina so that they can finish the movie. Yeah. What? So Damn. I thought that was really cool. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Um, I remember loving this film. And then honestly, I have to say what still holds, what still packs that punch for me from this film is the opening, just the entire opening sequence, the opening scene, and then into the first, uh, um, the first tracking shot with the with the colonizers, with the <laughs> with the first traders and against the natives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that yeah, that entire yeah, those first twenty, I think it's twenty minutes, right? It's like twenty minutes. Those first twenty minutes really, uh, yeah, are st- is still like it. I think it's the reason why I love the movie. Same, like I felt. I think in that scene too, you get not only you get so many important details about who glasses and who Fitzgerald is, or like you know Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy respectively, but also that whole sweeping shot where you see the arrows coming, like they're scrambling to get on the boat. Um, you hear Fitzgerald slash Tom Hardy on one side being like, grab all the pelts. Like, we need to save the pelts. And then he was like, get to the boat. And then you have the Arikara, who are the attacking tribe, coming. And you feel, like, immediately transported. Like, you feel, like, in the water. Like, you're rushing to the boat and, like, looking behind you. Like, it felt so immersive to me. And, like, I agree. Like, that shot really brought me in. But it was also hard to not, like, turn off my, like, film language kind of brain because i'm like this was done with a drone like this is giving me very voyeuristic and i'm like no ignore that like let's just let's just focus on the story but yeah i agree like that shot was really beautiful and i think it also established how sweeping the landscape was and also how isolating it is like you feel the characters are very like close to each other in proximity especially when like the arikara tribe is like hunting down um the fur trading company or like glasses company right as they're trying to move forward and the Arikara are trying to do whatever they need to do um but also feels very isolating because it's so vast like it's not colonized it's nothing settled right you just get like sweeping nature just like how it was back then I think that was so breathtaking and I and I agree like I liked um Iñárritu's decision to like really shoot on location and just being like we're going to put it, those must be a pilas, right? Like we're going to put the batteries in. We're going to like <laughs> toughen up and we're going to do it. And I think it really just paid it off because the whole, it really just placed you in there and I loved it. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, anybody else have a, for the, for the, for, for the opening sequence, just with uh, Leo and like that, because we do get, a sense of his background, right? We mm-hmm. get shown it. We don't get told anything about. It. Honestly, we don't get told a whole lot about his life. There's what, like three different instances of like short dialogue. Yeah, there's like a short sequence before, right? That kind of uh, not really describes, but just kind of is a series of images of glass and his wife and their son, and then. There's a burning village, and it kind of just starts from there, right? If I'm remembering that correctly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's a great way to kind of begin the story without slapping a bunch of exposition in your face or scrolling text or whatever. I thought that decision and the decision throughout the movie to give you hints of Glass's background or just character details through 
like visions of the past and you know flashbacks was done really well so i think that is something that filmmakers should be using a lot more rather than the scrolling text or narrative intros or reading exposition i think that that was done masterfully yeah. uh, i i know for myself i love uh historical pieces historical dramas i i, I love that i know alonso loves snow uh, I also love uh, uh, I, Tom Hardy, Leo. I, I, I don't. I don't. Know. I feel like this movie like, and Inarito and Chivo are behind the camera. I like. There's just a lot of things already like pushing me to like in favor of the film. I, I, I don't know about you guys so far. Like is like. I mean, expanding on the, you guys are talking about um, the background of the character. I. I, I feel like I'm going to have to watch it twice if I ever want to like really appreciate kind of like how Alex said, like he didn't really fully appreciate the the tribal kind of background as much until the second viewing. Because for me, it really was just kind of very, it reminded me a lot of the gladiator, how like every, when he like died and he like saw the the field or whatever, I just got reminded of that the whole time. And I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to feel something, but oh, yeah. they don't just don't really go in depth enough for me to really kind of like, align myself with his view, I guess, of where he's coming from. I did love the Native American representation in terms of at least trying to add it though. Like, I kind of wish that there was a more, like, I, I like the the character that like, he shared like the the bison with, like during like the cold fire or whatever. That was my favorite character native wise. Before that, I was like, I feel like they don't really, aren't really going for like a good solid character with them until he can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Matt. First off, I just want to say, Aaron, if you ever want to watch this film ever again, you can always DM me and just <laughs> it my, we'll have a couple glasses of sherry and just see what the night takes us. Um, <laughs> however, you want to take that. <laughs> I'm, 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 just, I'm just playing. Sorry. Matt will be free on Saturday night. Saturday night, Matt is free. Did I mention that Matt is free on Saturday night? <laughs> I'm, I'm just playing. But yes, if you ever want to watch the film again, you know, just hit me up. We'll suffer through it together. Um, or enjoy it. Who knows? Um, but anyway, I, you know what? My mind is a blank right now on what I can say about this film, except Snow, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, and Leo's son that doesn't speak that much. And that's what I know <laughs> that I saw in this film. Oh, and a bear, a big grizzly bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> All righty. Um... But yeah, uh, okay. So let's uh, let's talk about the man of the hour, DiCaprio. Ooh. Yeah. Um, uh, first of all, he it's his, it's his winning Oscar for acting. Uh, it's very telling. Uh, it's considering the fact that he has very little dialogue, so it's the most acting he's ever done on screen, technically, kind of because he has no dialogue. Uh, how did how did you guys feel about uh, him leading this? I feel like there is a a cultural bias uh, in Hollywood where we all want to see Leonardo DiCaprio succeed because he just has that that 
uh, how do you describe it? That persona of a leading man uh, in Hollywood. And we all know that Leo is a great actor. He's been in a bunch of great movies. And the fact that he has gone so long without winning an Oscar, it kind of, this movie was kind of like, just give it to him already. Like, like we wanted to see him get it. And like, it was, it was way past due. Um, but I don't know, because while, while I love his performance, I think it's great. I don't think it's his, it's his best one. Um, and and something about like certain certain aspects of this movie kind of threw me off. Um, I guess performance wise, uh, there was the scene where it was just after he was attacked by the bear, and um, what's his name Fitzgerald was pretty much getting ready to take him out and leave him behind. There was like this whole like grunty, low, raspy voice of his. Which was understandable because I mean he like just got cut up by a bear, but like twenty four hours later, like his voice is fine. It it was it was probably not like a not like a Leo problem, but just narratively it was kind of off putting, and I don't know the the voice gets to me like the 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 raspy voice uh, in the middle of him like like not even being able to like get a single word out that like was coherent was a little off putting, especially when like 24 hours later he was like fine and able to speak again. So I don't know. I liked it overall though. I think his performance is great, but there's like certain aspects where I wasn't totally on board. Yeah. I have to agree. I didn't notice much in the voice thing. It feels more like, um, it feels more like the Oscar was handed to him for how much he prepared for this role and how many hoops he had to jump through as the character, like, you know, getting attacked by a bear, recovering from injuries, like learning how to stand on his own, like braving the tundra, climbing into a dead horse. Like it felt like more like an Olympic medal than an Oscar award in terms of how much he had to go through. But I agree, like there's definitely some other films, like I'm thinking, kind of blanking on a majority of them, but I remember I watched The Iron Mask um, where he plays the twins. It's kind of, I think it's based on the, Alex is shaking his, uh, nodding his head. It's that interpretation, I think on The Musketeers. I don't remember if it's like a tale within the Musketeer narrative, but essentially he plays two twins. Um, One of them is like the whatever ruler of France or like very higher up nobility and he turns out he has a twin brother who he imprisoned in jail and like covered his face with an iron mask so that way nobody would be able to recognize him because this evil twin wants to be the one in power and I watched that film and I remember thinking like this is so like there's so much technique going into playing two very different act like characters but you're the same person and having to approach both with such completely different personalities and lived experiences as the character i felt like he definitely deserved the oscar and that one um but also just feels kind of like what were they trying to like make him prove by like putting off this oscar um what is it like award till now like it feels like it definitely even though it's a great role he was in, I definitely think there was a lot more different roles he had more substance in. Um, not to take away from the film, I think I still liked his character enough in The Revenant that I was like, okay, like it deserves the nomination. I don't know if it's like 
first award worthy. I feel like it may be like, you know, second award worthy or something like that. I mean, I'm probably getting very nitpicky, but essentially it's just like, there were definitely roles I've seen him in that I'm like, I think he should have gotten it earlier just for that one. Like not for Titanic, not for Romeo and Juliet. I like those films, but like the Iron Mask was so good. I feel like he should have gotten it for sure. Um, I thank God. I love that none of you have said the film that I think you should have gotten it for yet. So Ooh, which one? I love that. So I'm leaving that till later because oh, okay. I'll pull it out of my card of decks. Um, <laughs> deck of cards. Sorry, reverse that. No, I I agree with the rest of you on this. So is did he really deserve the Oscar for this role? I think it's gonna be a resounding no. <laughs> for most of us here. Um, I, I I did appreciate his commitment to this role and it just was going to, sh- he was Leo giving us Leo. He was giving us everything else he has already given. Um, I thought his performance, especially after the bear attack was very much of, it, it did kind of delve into that realm of like silent movie. Cause like, you know, he's not talking for a good like, what is it, like 20, 25 minutes when he's like trying to get himself together out of the snow and like somehow stumble his way to survive and heal. Um, And it was good. I would have loved if it was just like five minutes because it went on a little too long for me. Mm -hmm. And that's when I kind of lost interest in the film. But as a as judging solely by a performance piece, it's an amazing feat, especially doing that in the snow and on location. It is impressive to say the least, but it also does kind of feel like this was like purposefully Oscar gold. I don't know if you guys watch American Dad, but there's an episode where they like spoof 007 and Roger plays the villain, the alien, and his whole thing is like, he's trying to create the movie that's going to make everyone cry and the movie's called Oscar Gold and like because it's like the most emotionally drawn out movie it's Oscar Gold and so that's what it felt like to me this whole role for him felt like Oscar Gold and you know what at this point just I I I, I saw it as kind of I hope he doesn't see it as this but I saw this award as kind of a consolation prize for like years of work because, you know, he, he, like you said, he's done so many things like the Titanic or What's Eating Gilbert Grape, um, which he was so young when he did that. Um, and he he was good in both those roles. But um, I yeah, it, it's a great performance, but is it the one that should have won? I don't think so. I can, I agree for the most part. I, like, I feel like, for this performance specifically, the moments that really shine for me were actually the parts where he wasn't talking. I really liked his his nonverbal stuff was pretty solid, but it was just that, like in my opinion, it was really weird for him to win Best Actor for the movie when, in my opinion, he wasn't even the best actor in this movie. I think mm. Tom Hardy was defi- like definitively the best actor in this movie. Oh, absolutely! It was like like I, I honestly like for Tom Hardy, like I I don't really. Like, I think he's a really great actor. I usually don't care that much for his roles. This one, I was like, I feel like this is like top three or two, maybe even one for me, honestly, for Tom Hardy. And with Leo, it was like, he really didn't talk that much. And when he did, it, it was usually like across from Tom Hardy, who was doing so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<laughs> okay, I'm back on your team, Aaron. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back on your side. Back in but, the good graces. Yeah. Like, I think like in terms of like the movie you should have won it for. I haven't seen all of his performances, but I do feel like the movie where he was really in his bag, like just owning it like a motherfucker was Wolf of Wall Street. Like that was just mm. like, I mean, I haven't seen lots of movies, so I'm sure he's done better in other roles, but like, I feel like that was definitely, <laughs> he was nominated for that, but he was nowhere close to winning, I think, because of whoever won. Um, but yeah, but it did feel like how they were talking about Oscar gold. Um, <laughs> like, do you guys know the story about like the movie, The Post? No. Oh yes. Okay, yeah. good. Yes. Star Spielberg. It's a Spielberg movie with um Meryl Streep in it. And it was literally designed to win an Oscar, and it didn't win the Oscar because everybody like called it out on its bullshit that it was specifically made to be Oscar gold. And this is kind of what it felt in terms of Leo winning this year. It was like mm-hmm. it's just kind of like give it to him, kind of. Yeah. Oh, uh, just just quick reference. Uh, I pulled up the best actor for the for that year, the nominees. <clears throat> Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs. Brian Cranston for Trumbo. And Matt Damon for The Martian. And then Leo as the winning for The Revenant. I mean, it's not a solid lineup, but I do feel like some of them did get better performances. <laughs> like, I'm thinking okay. like... This- I, I'll give you Michael Fassbender's. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'll definitely do that one. He'd be, he'd be like, yeah, the second one. Oh. He yeah, he, yeah he's, like, he's like second for me on that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody else is, sounds weak and forgettable. Who, who would you put him over? Who would you put him over, uh, Aaron? Uh, I thought, I mean, uh, uh, Michael, just because I really love that movie, and he did great in that movie. Um, okay. I really... I, yeah, he's great. I think Brian as Trumbo, honestly, was really solid. Mm-hmm. Trumbo yeah, was the Dalton Trumbo one, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always like in the bathtub. Blacklist, the... right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, didn't, yeah I didn't see the, the the Danish girl, so I don't really know what to think on that because I haven't seen it. I, I was upset because Eddie Redmayne beat Michael Keaton the year before, so I didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah. For the very other thing, yeah. Everything yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also. Uh. Um, Leo. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm kind of agreeing with everybody. Everyone's saying, especially Aaron. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I didn't feel like going to like jump in the boat, but I do agree. It's, and even even back then, honestly, like. I always felt like, yeah, from the beginning it was just um, Leo. He just got it because, yeah, same thing like Scorsese with The Departed. It's like, I feel like compared to like Scorsese's filmography, The Departed is the weaker film of his. Not not the worst, but the weaker of his great films. It's not even top 10. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, but he got it because, you know, they screwed him over. He deserved for older movies, fun at the nose for sure. And same thing with this one. It's like, yeah, Leo... He deserved the better, um, or he deserved the Oscar for a better role. And I agree with Aaron said, it's like, I, I don't mind the, him, like the whole almost like treating the film as a silent film, honestly. I did like that moment. Just like um, seeing Leo's physical face, just seeing him like express his emotions, you know, without telling us, you know, just again, almost like the beginning of the film, like you guys described, they don't show, don't tell. 
you know, I like when movies do that period. And I, I, that is like the main thing I liked about Leo's performance in the movie. And that's why I would suggest, or why I think he kind of did deserve the, the Oscar at the same time. Because I do think he kind of, you know, without telling us, he does um, sh literally show us like how good of an actor he can be. Even though like, yeah, again, I do think it's a great role. I don't think it's the best one ever. Yeah, we, we have some uh, indigenous uh, actors. Oh, shoot, we even have a Frenchman, Toussaint. Well, I, I have no idea who that actor is. Me neither. But, yeah. yeah, because he gets what he's coming to, that filthy French in the film. Oh, you know who I forgot was in this movie? Uh, was uh, the guy who was in Ex Machina? Uh, oh, yes, Donald Gleason. Yes. How do you pronounce his first name? I think it's just Donald, honestly, just spelled in the Irish way. Oh, Donald? I say Donald. Donald? Yeah. I yeah. Donald right, it sounds like Donald. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally forgot that he was in this movie. It, he felt a little bit out of place in the beginning, not going to lie. Like, his, like, the actor didn't uh, fit the like the person I would imagine would be in that role. But I think like after they land and they get back to camp, I think he just like randomly just felt a lot more seamless as like someone who's more of like a behind the desk kind of guy. And I was like, Oh wow. Like that was like a really interesting role uh, that I had completely forgot or maybe didn't even know who he was at the time when I first watched it. I think that's but, kind of a cool point, honestly, because I think he is that one part, I think after the escape and, I think he's like fixing one of the guy's leg and he's asking him like, how do you know that? And I think he referenced that like his father was like a doctor maybe. Mm -hmm. And I think he like, kind of comes off like he probably could have like had like a higher position or he could have had like a safer job basically. Mm. But it, I, at least to me, it came off like he, he purposely chose to be involved in that, that kind of business. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, like the way he described it, I think it's kind of perfect because um, that might've been the point, honestly. Yeah. yeah, in which case it was a really good casting choice, which like it, it felt kind of awkward in the beginning. I thought it was off, but then later on, I'm like, whoa, this guy's this guy's perfect. Yeah. Also, side note, shout out to um, Lucas Haas, who plays Jones. Yes. Um, if you guys know him, he is the kid that saves the world in the 1996 classic Mars Attack. Okay, literally, I have to interject because I literally just finished watching that before I sat down to watch The Revenant. So when I recognized him, I was like, oh, Donut Boy? And I was just like, so Donut excited. Boy! Oh, Mars Attacks, amazing oh, film. Very Wait. campy. I want to dress as the alien decoy lady for Halloween, by the way. Very obsessed. Anyway, sorry to interject with a completely different campy film. But yeah, this casting in this film, and also just to continue, but the casting in this film was really interesting. I also love recognizing, like, for example, Lucas, I also love recognizing supporting actors who've, like, notoriously played many a supporting role throughout the years. I think that's so entertaining to see that, like, like they're just as famous as, like, our main character leads, right? Like, our main character actors, but so entertaining to watch them in the background. Um, going back to the Donald Gleason role, I th also thought it was really interesting how like Alex pointed out that he gets back in his element once he's at base camp, once he's in like a more um, position of power where he's able to commandeer people in a setting he's most, most, much more familiar in. And that is a structured like sense of civilization. 
Whereas like when he's in the wilderness, he's just kind of like, fuck, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, I got to trust Fitzgerald and Hugh Glass and Hugh Glass most of all. Like at first you feel like, okay, he's team Hugh because like he knows that Hugh knows the best, but then he starts kind of getting swayed by Fitzgerald's kind of sense of like, oh my God, we need to save the pelts. But at the same time, Domo's like, no, we have to like do what's good for the company. And Domo's just like, I mean, Fitzgerald's just kind of like, you're not getting it. We're losing money and you hired me so that we would lose money. But anyway, that's the whole thing. But like, yeah, I thought his role and his method acting in this was also really interesting too. And how that kind of also translates a little bit later on to the later conflict of the story. I don't know if we're going to get to that part just yet, but I also thought it was interesting how that kind of comfortability going back to like a more structured environment, how that translates um, later on in the camp and like the later half of the movie as well. Yeah, I agree for the, for when we're talking about Donald Gleason, I like, I didn't like him at all until we saw him like in the campsite. Like I, when I, the first like scene where they were being attacked, I was like, he, I just don't like his acting. Like I, I don't know his name. I, I recognize him from the force awakens. So I just called him the, the red. <laughs> oh yeah. He is in star Wars. Huh? But yeah, I just, I did like, I actually hated his performance up until that third act. I was like, okay, he's, he's in his own, but <laughs> you hated him. Yeah. Cause it was like, he just wasn't fitting the situation. It was like, they're being under attack and he's like being really reserved. I was like, even if you're not in control, you should have some level of like letting go of emotions. Like he's just kind of like A to B, A to B. And I just, I hated it until the third act. And I was like, he's doing really great now. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I did love uh, Will Poulter. He's the kid yes. who, who helped um, Fitzgerald. He like, he did really great, I think, in his role. And it's really cool to, see him like he always gets like these like supporting roles that are like usually when people get like supporting roles they kind of try to like aim for higher roles as they keep going but he's just like in his bag with like he's like supporting mm-hmm. roles in movies so this was another good one for me for me uh matt what do you remember from uh donald and will porter <laughs> uh from dom noel gleason i remember that he was in Harry Potter 7, The Deathly Hollows. Or was it The Half-Lit Prince? And now, now I'm second-guessing myself. He was in I Harry Potter. Yeah, he's a Weasley. He was in The Deathly Hollows. There we go. Yeah. Yes, I was he's right. a Weasley? Um, yeah, he's a Weasley. Yeah. Wait, yeah, like, is he a he brother? Plays, or who is he? Yeah, he plays the older the, brother, Weasley with the scars because he's yes, a dragon. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's uh, the one that was the, the trained dragons, right? That, that mm-hmm. one? Yeah. Yeah, him, him. That's, That's him. crazy. Uh, recast? Is that the one? Uh, that I don't think it's recast. He, he, he ends up staying for like the last three films, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like he did, like, yeah. He was also in that Rachel McAdams rom com about time. Oh, about time, yes. That's yeah. a great one. Um, so, yeah, so very different, uh, very different movie landscape for him. So, good on him for mm-hmm. being able to career diversify. Um, <laughs> very appreciative of his ability to do that. Uh, yeah, but I was just gonna ask, uh, oh, cinematography because honestly, oh. this movie feels like a uh, photograph the movie to me. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about there. Um, obviously, we were talking about the uh, DP earlier, Chivo has worked with uh, Inaritu and. A lot of other prominent directors he i don't know he's like 
to me, he's like the probably second most prominent director of photography right behind Roger Deakins. Uh, so I think, I think I just expect that anything he touches is going to be gold. Like, and this movie is uh, just like another shining example. Like there's so many shots in this movie that, uh, I mean, already mentioned uh, on top of everything that he does, it has to be lit naturally. Like they don't have any secondary sources of light or anything like that. The way they work with fire in this movie is actually insane. There's, Mm -hmm. there's a shot that uh, has, I don't know what it was that was on fire, but it like, silhouettes uh certain characters and it provides like just enough light around the snow for certain parts of the of the image to be exposed while others are just like shrouded in darkness and i was going to bring up um the the scenes where they have like flashbacks and there's like the mountain of skulls and like the visions of his wife and like all these different things that they do to like play with the camera and like add dreamlike effects. It was insane just how much went into this movie and the tech, the technical aspects of pulling this off in a freaking like snowy tundra are just absolutely ridiculous. So going back to um, what Alex was saying with the shots, I also agree. I think it's also amazing. Just the level of technique also, in terms of these shots, even like, because I imagine thinking, because I'm thinking more of the editing side too, the editing for this film, because there's so much juicy material already, I feel probably in the raw footage they got with this film. But I feel like editing was probably just a breeze. It was just basically to showcase the pure artistry of um, Chivo's uh, expertise. I hope I'm saying his nickname right. But also, like, I feel like the color correcting for this film amazing especially with that kind of play of shadow and light with the fire and on top of snow as well like they really popped um these like cool toned snow scenes especially at night with like the rich like bright white red whites of the fire and that kind of how it almost felt like it was playing with this um the fine boundary between reality and vision especially when we keep going into those flashbacks where he's remembering of like when his local Pawnee village was completely massacred when his wife was massacred everything and how you have these very like cloudy hazy almost like uh neutral earth toned palette going on and then juxtaposed with like the rich saturatedness um and then the warmth and cool of like the reality was really rich and nice to see um I think also there was a lot of play with natural elements too of like snow and rain and also like mist especially like leading up to like the final um kind of battle scene between Fitzgerald and Hugh Glass and how that was very it went back to this whole earthy earth tone um kind of palette from the dream sequences or like flashback sequences but then you have these rich greens of the natural um foliage behind them especially when they're fighting in the river and how then that went back to this like cooled earth tone, like almost like gray, blue neutrals, especially with that very last shot of the film, which I don't want to describe yet because I also have a lot of thoughts for that. But yeah, just like the pure um, expertise and just the raw footage, I feel like the editing was just really seamless. And I think they focused more on like story for editing. Um, I think it just, because they had such strong visuals that, you know what I mean? Like it was just like, it felt really rich, especially the colors. I was just like blown away by the colors and how everything had like a sense of, 
visual language to back up the overall story, especially with these subplots of like the Arikara chief trying to find his daughter and then Hugh remembering his wife and now passed on son and how he feels so approx like so close to them even though they've literally moved on to another plane of existence and like I feel like that translated well in the church scene especially with that abandoned church which was it felt kind of out of place at first because I was like is this a different film but at the same time it felt so fitting when it transitioned from Hugh who you think is hugging Hawk his son but it translate and then cuts to him hugging a tree branch and like that holds back to that whole quote they're saying of like if you're still breathing like you keep fighting like a tree looks like it's about to break, but then you look at its roots and it's still clinging to the ground. And like, that was a really beautiful shot to kind of solidify that metaphor as being repeated probably like the third time. And then you see the visual metaphor come to it. And it was just like, oh, it was so juicy. I loved it. Yeah, that was a great scene. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Aaron? <laughs> um, I guess kind of backtracing back to the, uh, the intro scene again, uh, it kind of was really... I think something that would have been kind of cool, like it wasn't like, it's not a flaw that they didn't do this, but I think it'd be kind of cool if they did, where, because like the beginning of scene, in the beginning scene, a lot of people got killed off, but I recognized a lot of the actors and all the actors that survived for the most part were the ones that I like recognized. So I think it would have been really cool if they got like a familiar face in there and just killed them off like right away, just to kind of like leave a little bit of suspense of like, like who's gonna, you know, just kind of like, cause it was like, there was a lot of emotion in it. And I think that was kind of the, the best tool they had in that sequence. So in terms of suspense, I was like, obviously Leo's gonna live, Tomari's gonna live, <laughs> the Reddit's gonna live, so. Would but. you like a, since I feel like, you know, to match Tom Hardy, would you like a Channing Tatum, like cameo again? And just like that <laughs> and just cut him uh, off really quickly? Him, like just kind of like in the middle of the, the talk in the beginning, just like have him like come out of the floorboards again and just, <laughs> you know, exactly yeah exactly yeah yeah i wouldn't mind another movie where channing tatum gets his head blown off that'd be Ooh. cool <laughs> Ooh. Oh. magic that had a different tone that was pointed alex it was very pointed. <laughs> <laughs> just saying it'd be sick <laughs> yeah. um okay uh yeah i mean yeah wait there's a lot to say also uh, any favorite shots because yeah, I think mine are. I think my favorite one is the one where they find uh, the company finds glass again at night, and it's just a really dramatic, just shadows and go- like engulfing, like overwhelming the shot. But then, yes. like the, the firelight is just illuminating just um, glass and the trees nearby. It's just, you know, I think that's my favorite shot. Yeah. Oh, the same thing, really? Oh shit, we must be related. <laughs> one thing i'll say about like the sim or just the movie in general i guess and i've seen people like or describe it but and i kind of agree it's like almost, i almost i would call this movie almost like an americanized tarkovsky film mm. it's like because if you've seen these Tarkovsky films he's famous for having like a lot of like slow burn shots long takes basically like just nature and different like imagery i mean even the idea like having like what his dead wife floating in the air that's oh yeah out of a tur- like the mirror specifically i think um what about the bird that was from the holy mountain specifically oh really? oh shit that's yeah. from the holy mountain yeah well people think it's from like nostalgia but it's the whole literally from the holy mountain 
Okay. But um, but the thing I found interesting, kind of why I bring this up, is because why I would call it an Americanized Tarkovsky movie is because I noticed that there's two writers for this film. Uh, Iniruto was one of them, and I forgot the other guy's name, Mark something. And I feel like a lot of the, the more dreamy as sequences was from Iniruto. And the more, I guess you, I, I would call it like Americanized part of the story, like the whole idea of him having a son, the whole idea of like, you know, this little journey for revenge. It's like something out of, it is, it is just more like an American film. And, but yeah, it's like, it is the cinematography that takes the, steals the show from this, from this whole movie in general. Like it really is the highlight of the film. Yeah, the, the cinematography feels like a, another star, honestly. Did this movie win for Best Cinematography? Yes. Nice. I would have been disappointed <laughs> or would have to watch the movie that beat it because that would be very yeah. surprising. Yeah. What? what? I, don't know, I don't remember. No, no, I'm sorry. I meant like, what, what else did they win? Like, they won Best Actor, Best Director. I don't yeah. think Best Picture. No. no. Spotlight? Okay. Spotlight. I don't even know what all of them. Nobody does. That's literally like the Oscar Bay movie that year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Spotlight. <laughs> I, was like, I, I was like, I like that movie. <laughs> I, I think Trumbo should have won. I love Trumbo. Tr- Trumbo's good. I liked it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> <no> <laughs> it seems like a very weak year, but by the way, we're recollecting. <laughs> uh, you know what? But see, and that just goes to show, you know, all the guns were in the Revenant, like, like it was on the Revenant's hands. It was in Leo's hands. Like this was, this was it. Like all the stars were aligned for him to get the Oscar because <laughs> Basically, from what everyone else is saying, is that every other movie sucked except The Revenant <laughs> was pretty good. <laughs> it kind of sucks though that like it took every other movie not being that as good in order for him to get it. Like it should have been like yeah. a him dominating kind of thing, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I'm looking back at the list and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I can't really argue with this. So. <laughs> All righty. Uh... Oh, uh, I think just, I think one of my favorite moments, like a, just a random little moment, is when Leo finally drinks water from the yes. river. Yes. Oh my god, that I remember. You did okay. Literally watching Why? his like crusty white ass chapped ass lips. <laughs> <laughs> like, usually, I'm not like someone who's really grossed out by body stuff, but when it comes to film, because you know they like they really like you know go as close as possible so you get their full effect, especially with those effects makeups and everything. Oh my god, I was like, please drink water. Like your throat is hurting my throat. Like I'm, and then when he's like, what frustrated me is that there was some scenes before he takes a sip of water, he has the freaking metal canteen with the spiral that Will Poulter gives him just like, you know, literally being thrashed about as he's like struggling with the makeshift cane. And I'm like, just drink water. Like I was ready to like bust my laptop. It's frustrating me. But yes, when you drink water, I was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> when was that scene? Why do I not remember when he finally oh. drinks water? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it's because his like throat is fucked up. So he like drinks it and then like chucks it back out. Oh, okay. I remember that. Is that the scene that we're talking about? Yeah. Where he like, tries to take a sip and it like 
Yeah. Also, can we talk about how, because I think about this, like, the, okay, so the scene where he puts gunpowder down yeah, the throat wound. Yeah, so that, so that yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, it's all together. Oh my God. I was like, uh, I was trying to, I'm even, I'm even like physically reacting to how like scared I was just watching him try to ignite the gunpowder in his throat to try. And I realized to carterize the wound so that way he'd be able to drink and breathe. I was thinking like, oh my God, I would have not survived if I was like in 1800s, rural, whatever, ancient times with like medical stuff. I would just be like, I'm just gone. I'm just dead. Like I would not, (laughs) (laughs) like I would not be able to do anything for myself medically if I had to, if it came down to that. But yeah. Yeah, that's why when Aaron uh, stated uh, how how he would be in this kind of world, I was like, mood. Yeah. Yeah, when he like when he was like trying to escape the i think it was like natives attacking him and his horse like flew off a cliff i was like this guy can't get a break like (laughs) yeah he's finally like like getting a sense of the survival tactics and your fucking horse just falls off a cliff i'm sorry no i was just gonna say he just got that horse yeah right (laughs) But see, like, doesn't that scream Oscar gold to you guys? Like, that <laughs> yeah. just screams Oscar gold. Like, it's just like, it's a little too much for me. That's what I'm saying. It screams Olympic. It screams, I've done more physical prowess, not to discredit Olympians and athletes worldwide. If you're listening, if you're so nerd and an athlete, I'm so sorry. But like, you know what I mean? It just felt like he just got an award for like doing the most physical effort aside from his wonderful physical body language acting but like yeah it just just so weird also like if you think about it, before they even shot the horse with the arrow or killed it he was already heading towards the cliff without knowing that it was a cliff so it was just like he was just gonna be fucked anyway um but yeah it just felt yeah it felt more like an award for physical prowess in the role rather than artistry in the role Okay, Uh, well, let's stop beating around the bush and uh, get straight to uh, Leo's throat with the bear scene. Uh, (laughs) This is the scene everybody talked about. My gosh. I would think it was like this bear was going to come back for a vendetta like three different times or something. (laughs) And that was the main character we didn't know about (laughs) was the the animated bear. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, watching it the first time, I remember it being um, a lot more realistic. Like, I mean, it, it looks like he's being thrashed around by a bear. Like, wh- whatever you think about what the bear looks like, it looks like he's being mauled by a bear for sure. The the part where he ends up turning around and shooting it in the face was like kind of question mark. I, I don't remember if the bear charged at him first or if he like shot at it tried to kill it and then it was a, like not a kill confirm and then came after him it was, I don't like, it was like coming it was walking back but it wasn't charging and then he shot it so it started charging and then it charged yeah yeah, yeah okay that part I, was uh kind of like the moment you're like okay now he's fucked because i think before he just kind of got bit a little bit and got stepped on and then all of a sudden, the the claws basically just take out his throat and sli- slice up his back. And then he eventually kills it with his knife, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, like on the side of the throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really on his neck. 
And then the, the part that I'm also question marking is when he ends up tumbling down the hill and the bear lands on top of him. No, okay. you, you think someone would survive that? Like bears are like no. a few tons. No. Right? No. Yeah, no like, so before I watched this movie and only knowing the context of the hype and everything from the hype from back then, I thought this movie was like, bear attacks leo leo's like i'm gonna get you bear and then he's just running through the tundra with his gang of people trying to fight the bear and they're like constantly fighting the bear now that i watch this movie i'm like aside from me saying earlier that the bear pales in comparison to the overall story i'm also like in a sense leo even though we know he's very nature savvy he's very aware of like you know i i can operate in nature and i know not to deserve some animals and i could hunt and shoot elk and everything it also felt like the bear kind of creeped up on him and then he turns around. He's like, oh my God, bear. And he shoots it. And then the bear charges him, right? And then like once he's down on the ground and then you now see that it's a mama bear and there's cubs nearby, you're like, if I were there, I would just like play dead until, you know, literally nightfall. Like just like not be doing anything. But of course we are not Leo and Leo's not us. So Leo shoots it. But I'm also just like, he would just definitely died but also like the bear just like i don't know it was just like there were some moments where like i know the bear's animated but it felt like his the bear's actions were too precise where it doesn't go past the believability of like this is a bear acting of its own accord you know what i mean and of course this is a bear animated to fit a story to like fit the acting and everything but you know how there's some films where you have an animal or whatever character animated and you feel like they're very real like they're an actual actor or what have you and they're acting in this case it felt like character where you already obviously feel like it's very cg'd and then it's just acting too precise to like attack anyway i think that's like the animator perspective where it's like it's going past appeal it's going past its intended purpose of like animation because you're just showing fancy technical stuff anyway that's a whole other thing to get into because it was really good technically but it's just like i wanted some guesswork of like, is it animated or is it real? There's one moment that like totally got me that like pulled me into the movie is when the camera's like right at the face of the bear mm-hmm. and, and it breathes into the camera lens and then it just fogs it up. That's the one moment that like, like really pulled me in. That was actually, I was going to talk about that exact same take, that exact same shot too, for the opposite reason. <laughs> <laughs> Because that tells you that there is a camera there, right? Yeah, like it was just kind of like that's not t- right for the times, and and also like just like the rhythm of that scene specifically, like it just kind of stops it out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, respectfully, like I, I, if you love it, you love it. I'm not trying. To- no, no. <laughs> for me, it feels like it, it, it's artistry for one, and then uh, two, uh, a way to hide um, uh, the edit of the the one long the long take of that yeah. scene. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But like in terms of like realism of like a bear fucking you up with little to no effort, I, I really like the scene showing that because it was like, it wasn't trying. It was having a field day, just like totally. relaxing. You know? the, the one part that really kind of like got to me in terms of like, how is he not dead is when the bear like has his arm on Leo's head and then it's like, wait, and I'm like, your head should be crushed right now. What the hell is yeah. going on? Uh, yeah. Can we, can we confirm? Well, I 300, 300 pounds crushed the skull? Let's see. Uh, yes. Oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I like how you barely looked at your phone. You said, yes, undoubtedly. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I thought about that same thing too. Like having a bear's weight on your skull feels like we're just. Uh, maybe it was really soft. Uh, Some soft dirt. dirt. <laughs> I, don't know. I feel like it would be wet though. Cause like we're like in this very lush, mossy, like recently rained on yeah area where i feel like we would have just had mud completely slathered on leo's yeah, face but it was kind of hollywood where it's like no everything else can be dirty but not his beautiful face kind of thing and i'm just like but he's being beaten by a bear i want to see dirt and like be grossed out like oh i have to take a shower after this and like yeah. i don't get you know that within his contract you know i know he has to be pretty boy i know like, my face on that side can be not be dirty. It, He's like, I'll do everything else. I'll even like make myself throw up from eating raw liver, but get my face dirty. No deal. He's the golden funny. boy. Mm-hmm. It'd be funny if there was like a scene where like his face got dirty and you just see like the assistant run in real quick and just wipe it. And... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he messes up that face, there goes the his movie career. Uh-huh. <laughs> got to protect his assets. Yeah. <laughs> Alonso, do you, you want to? fill them in on the historical yeah the, like the parts that are based on the true story yeah so loosely the whole movie is supposed to be like based on like uh, call it what is those tall tale type things so the whole point is that yeah so it's supposed to be based off some guy who did get attacked by an actual bear and he survived the big difference was that woman um he wasn't he was going revenge against Fitz, fitzgerald not because of his, he killed his son. Apparently, he didn't even have a kid. Um, apparently, it was literally just because of his gun. That's why he went after him. And the funny part was that he didn't even get to kill Fitzgerald in real life, or the story, the urban legend says. He actually forgave him at the end of the. <laughs> That's so no fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, apparently, everything, yeah, everything. The bear attack is the only actual thing, so-called, that happened. That would have been a hell of a plot twist, though, at the end. Right? (laughs) 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 The final confrontation with Fitzgerald after the entire fight, he's finally got him. I forgive you. And then (laughs) it just leaves him. (laughs) That's a very good, like, Christian moment. I know, right? (laughs) It kind of does at the end. He just... He doesn't kill him himself. He basically gives him to the Native American. And he even says the line. It's like, I mean, it's kind of fucked up. I don't know if it was purposely meant to like, I don't know, the term gentrified the Native American language. Or the one guy says, revenge is in the creator's hand. But mm-hmm. it changes it to revenge is in God's hand. Yeah, yeah. I so I don't know if that was like a meta commentary on white people changing things around. But yeah, I think the point... Yeah, he. I guess he. He physically didn't like kill Tom Hardy or whatever Fitzgerald himself. He just let the Native Americans do it. Right, like he'd rather be an accomplice, and just to use the language of the film and how this film portrays um, Native folk, especially through the views of the white settlers who see the indigenous tribes negatively. It's like let the savages be savage. Like we're too high up we're too christian to do it ourselves so being an accomplice but yeah also like mentions of religion in this film were very 
interesting because they're very they go back to like they felt very like pilgrimy protestanty like old times like do anything with the hint of pleasure and you're immediately going to hell like I don't care what you're doing right um but also like I don't know of course that wasn't like a big detail of the film it wasn't like something to focus on but just like mentions of religion in this film were very interesting whereas like of course native belief is like we're all connected to the earth like everyone has a part to play within the universe in the grand scheme of things like there's no like essentially there's no morality where it's treated with like uh reward and punishment much like christianity right um but yeah just like you said like that flip of the script where like oh you say creator i say god tomato tomato it was like interesting so because there are some small moments or mm -hmm. some visual um, moments. Yeah, um, like the church scene, maybe. How it's church like. scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Alonso mentioned that with the creator and the with indigenous and then with glass, it was God. That, and, and then uh, Tom Hardy has that one story about how the guy told him that he met God. Oh yeah, his oh, dad. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Also, like I really liked Tom Hardy's character in juxtaposition or in contrast slash juxtaposition with glasses, where you already get the feeling of what they hold dear, um, or they value the most just in the beginning scene where they're being under attack by the Arakara. Yes. That Tom Hardy's like, save the pelts, grab as many pelts as you can. Like we have to save these pelts, then get on the boat. Whereas Glass is like, no, get on the boat now. Like we got to go. So Tom Hardy from the get-go is a capitalist slut for the fur trading company. He's like, I'm trying to earn my money. I'm trying to retire to Texas. I'm trying to like, you know, have my little, my little patch of grass and just like settle. And Glass, you know, we don't really see his motives for why he works at the company. He just works there, but he definitely has more priorities of like I value life over product and uh Tom Hardy's character throughout this whole thing has always been like well I want to get paid I want to make sure I get paid like I'll do this if I get paid like with that whole arrangement where Donald Gleason's like okay we can't bring um glass up this uphill uh trail to the base so who's going to stay back and when Fitzgerald's like volunteering like oh stay with them I like go I was like nope dude never put me in a situation where i have to be with a fitzgerald and i'm injured like i immediately no like any any fitzgerald kind of character i'm outie like it was definitely like it turned from like premonition of a lord of the flies kind of feeling to like oh my god like tom hardy like does not come to make friends but yeah it even feels like that near the end too where he runs away from the base especially when like glass is coming close and glass is dead set on revenge he's already come back from the dead basically he has nothing to lose because he already lost everything he lost life essentially right like he lost his son whereas fitzgerald has less to lose because he already stole the safe he's already trying to make it out of there um and even in the final scene it was like interesting because like Fitzgerald doesn't fucking care about the fact that he killed Hawk, right? Whereas, like, literally, that's the one surviving thought that's been surviving or that has kept Leo surviving this whole time, right? Like, find Fitzgerald, let everyone know he killed my son, like, my last blood family on this earth, and, like, make him day. But, and then at the end, it's, like, the glass is still, like, high above where he won't necessarily kill a man himself, 
even though we've seen him like injure others, right? And then like he gives them to the to the Verkara to kill off. So just very interesting like perspectives and how they like come together. Even in the final fight scene, how, what, what did y'all think of the final fight scene? I have many thoughts, but I don't want to talk over. So who? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm t- thankful that that's where I was leading towards. Okay, <laughs> <'Cause>, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, 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 I still love it, <laughs> even mm-hmm. though it feels a lot shorter than I remembered. Uh, you guys? It gets yeah. really bloody. Yeah, it kind of all begins with um, Donald Gleason's character coming back to camp after they find Glass, right? And it's kind of just like, where's Fitzgerald? Where's Fitzgerald? And he has to like threaten someone's life and be like, I know you're lying to me. Like, tell me where he went. And apparently he's like off to Texas or he went to Texas. And if I remember correctly, I think in that same moment, uh, him and Glass leave to find him. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just them trekking to to go find him, uh, end up splitting up. And that's uh, when uh, Gleason gets taken out by Fitzgerald. And... Yeah. And it's just a uh, glass by himself yet again against uh, against Fitzgerald. So it was kind of like it was a nice little setup. Uh, he wasn't going to go out there alone, but he ends up getting taken out and left on his own. And it's kind of like the perfect setup for a final confrontation between Glass and Fitzgerald. So I thought the I thought the setup was really good. Uh, if anyone wants to take it from there. Mm-hmm. It reminded me very much of like a, a spaghetti Western kind of like it was very much uh, like remove all complexities of the story and just make it bare bones. Like we're out here in the wilderness and we're going to kill each other kind of um, even the cinematography was a bit Western uh, spaghetti Western esque. Um, the one thing that I kind of in terms of like a flaw, like a plot hole, I guess, like a small one is a Leo. Yeah. Leo just like. I forgot his name, so I'm just gonna say, what's the Star Wars guy's name? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Donald Gleason. Donald Gleason. Donald Gleason. He so he gets killed, and Leonardo DiCaprio decides to uh, make him a decoy by like getting him into like on a stick, like on the horse, and have him be a decoy while uh, Leo acts like the the dead uh, corpse essentially. So that way, Tom Hardy shoots the. A Gleason while like Leo like comes out or whatever. My only like plot hole with that is that like he has no idea if Tom Hardy is watching or not. Like if he's watching mm-hmm. while he's fighting the dead body, he can just shoot him like while he's laying there. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a bit weird. And but aside from that, it was it was good. Like it was like kind of oh man. Yeah, you and me are just on the opposite end. That's one of my favorite moments. <laughs> Pretends to uh be the dead body. And he pulls over the bear skin, just bear fur, and just yeah. The the part that that I had a qualm with was that he missed. <laughs> He's like point blank away. Like once he reveals himself, and I he just like he, he nicks him, right? But yeah, he yeah. like nicks him, but he doesn't like yeah. Get, it's not a kill shot. But it, when when the when your target is like six feet away and like hunched over, like how do you not shoot the head? Like he's right there, and I don't know. I mean. For the movie, I guess hitting him on the body is good enough, but it, it leads to it leads to a, a better confrontation at the end. But I don't know. I feel like there was a be- there could have been a better way to set that up. Maybe he realizes he got tricked from a little bit farther away instead of standing like right over the horse when he realizes it. But mm-hmm. yeah, 
that was my that was my only qualm with that scene. Everything else I I really liked about that final confrontation. The whole idea of using the dead body and like propping it up as a as a decoy was like it was such a such a good scene. And uh, do you remember the final fight scene? I would have appreciated a nice good Christian ending like Alonzo mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my take on it. You know, all this bloody and goriness, you know, we just need more wholesomeness in our movies today. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I don't Maybe. that that's my little I don't know who I don't know what character was doing there. But anyway, I I don't know. I do not remember this ending particularly well. I just remember that it ended. Okay. Cool. Yeah. My one take from this fight scene, though, and this is after, um, the, so they Rickera kill Fitzgerald, and then they're kind of doing that walk by by Hugh, like Leonardo DiCaprio, where he's like still in the water and he's like trying to catch his breath, and so the Rickera walking by, kind of like doing that whole like sun nod, being like, okay, like where are you going? Like you, you found my daughter. I, I killed that guy for you. I'm like okay, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave now, right? And then we see that the daughter finally reunited. Yeah. Um, with the tribe and at first I was kind of expecting her to show gratitude like oh like I put in good word for you but like the fact that she's so stoic I was like eh, like whatever I could forgive it but mm-hmm. the one part that I just it's still I'm still questioning is that we get really up close and tight on Leo DiCaprio's face and he's trying to catch his breath and then he like looks into the camera but it's not a breaking the fourth wall it's like a weird off-center look and then we just he see him and hearing him pant and breathe and then it fades to black and then it rolls the principal credits um and then we're still hearing him breathe as um you know like the outro credit uh score comes up but like that part i was just like it's not supposed to break the fourth wall so why mm-hmm. do i feel like he's breaking the fourth wall like it just feels awkward like it felt just like I wasn't sure how to interpret it because at that point it's the first time he's addressing the camera aside from when the bear breathes on uh right breathes in the Descartes for his face and then like the fog of the breath gets on the glass of the camera like that's the one part where I felt like this is like where we truly address the camera again and I'm just like I don't know how, how did everyone feel about that one I felt like it was just kind of an awkward shot to rest on yeah uh, personally, I I don't feel like it bothered me that much, but I understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 whole idea about like breaking the fourth wall, or I, it's weird because, like you said, I don't think he was trying to do that, but it came off like he was staring right at the lens, and mm-hmm. it was um the it it brings me back to um a movie that we watched, uh, The Lobster, where it kind of like ends with the main character looking into the mirror and it's kind of like a will he won't he kind of situation and it kind of cuts off before you find out what he does and it's i took that as like uh trying to like ask the audience a question it's like in if you were in their shoes would you or wouldn't you and it kind of gives me that same feeling whenever people do a fourth wall break and you stare into the camera and it's it like poses a question to the audience but i don't know what that question is in the situation so it kind of does feel a little off right because it feels almost like a statement like i've done all this i survived i killed fitzgerald like i killed the one thing that was keeping me going till now and i'm here to catch my breath like what will i do now and it's like 
I don't know, because it's the same. It feels like there's a question being posed, but it's almost like a statement. But yet the statement feels like it ends with like the upturned tone of voice as one would pose a question with. You know what I mean? Like it just feels very like confused. It's almost like an upspeak statement. It's like, oh, I survived. And it's like, oh, okay. And then I don't know. It makes me feel some type of Aaron, you're gonna say something. Uh, I was asking to that um I felt like it was I didn't it didn't really bother me that much. I thought I thought they definitely played it safe. Like I felt like that was a safe way to end it to kind of just kind of go for the the close-up kind of thing. Um but like in terms of like what it meant, I kind of just thought of it as like like this guy glass was supposed to die like 20 minutes 20 minutes into the movie like it was very like there's no way he should have survived that and like the only thing that was keeping him going was this ultimate goal essentially of getting Fitzgerald and so for me it was just kind of like a the final face of like him with all he's been through finally giving away his last breaths I guess kind of mm-hmm. yeah I, didn't, I mean I didn't think it was like insanely good or, or I did think it was a statement piece definitely but I didn't yeah yeah. It's kind of safe-ish. Yeah. I think it would have been cool if they ended on like the shot, like a kind of like a wide shot of, of Fitzgerald as they're like taking his body away. If like they just kept that shot going like up until he disappeared and like even keep it a little bit then some. That would have been kind of cool. But yeah, or like if they're gonna have Leo catching his breath after this big fight, after you know everything he went through, I feel like it would have been nicer to have him in the medium wide shot where we see his full body like hunched over over the river however the last position he was in and then we have that like panny backward shot where we now see him he gets farther farther away the the environment comes closer and he's like now he's like truly alone like Mm. he's faced this and now like what's next for him i feel like just that tight shot was just so strange to end on and maybe it was supposed to like bookend the beginning (sighs) shot where he's like curled asleep with his wife and child, like maybe it's supposed to be that, like, oh, now he's truly alone in the world, like the last surviving of his little family unit. But like, yeah, I feel like it's maybe like a different way to go about it. I did like the whole resting of him catching his breath and how that leads into the ending of the movie. But like, yeah, just that shot, the way it was executed just felt strange to me. I I took it as like, I. Yeah, like he did everything he wanted to do, but almost like he's accepted death at that point. Like I feel like he was basically dying at that point. I mean, kind of like he sees his wife like that one time. The last time. Yeah. And I, yeah, even like almost like that idea, like, yeah, he's like looking at us because it is that mentality was like he did everything or he, he did what he accomplished was get revenge. But it's almost like that saying, like, revenge isn't, like, satisfying or whatever. It was, like, um, yeah, is that, that saying. And him just, like, kind of realizing that, like, almost like he just wasted his time, sort of. And just that kind of final realization before he passes away. Like, it was true what the guy says. It's not revenge. Maybe not exactly revenge is worth it, but revenge is in the creator's hand it's not in our hand he should have just let it go moved on but because he went through this like hellish journey to go after Fitzgerald I took it like him realizing that like well shit I just wasted my life and I'm about to die right here and he's looking at us yeah like questioning us was it worth it 
was it worth it going after Fitzgerald or the devil, my son? Him and I I like the way it just like does cut to black, and I took it almost like a a literal representation of him, like literally like just slowly dying, Mm. just hearing his breath. Like I don't know, like probably what it feels like to die is yeah, is like just I feel like all you would hear before you die is like just the sound, just the sound in general, because I think even at the ending, like the end credits, it does come off like that. Like all you hear is like. Besides the music, you do hear, I think, like some little bird chirpings and the trees, the wind hitting the wind as he's like, basically, yeah, like I said, he's like putting his final breath and just just accepting his death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that interpretation better. Maybe I just got bogged too much with the semi fourth wall break that I was like, what? <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, I, it, I didn't know that he was going to survive or I didn't picture him dying in that moment i think is why i didn't really see it that way but i do like that interpretation i figured that he would have lived and just gone on through life after that point mm-hmm. yeah people died just like logically speaking like there's so many wounds so many infections <laughs> like, but but like think about everything that he's gone through already like he's been, gone through a freaking bear attack like it, it yep. feels like he's just indestructible at that point. So that's my nice. interpretation was walk back to camp, get fixed up. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's the Americanized part of the movie. Yeah. Like I said, it's like, does feel like a Americanized Tarkovsky film. It's like, I feel like the movie wants to say a lot. Like Tarkovsky says a lot in his movies, but this one, it does focus too much on like the, the action, I guess. Mm. Or to me, it does. Yeah. Yeah, see, that maybe, was just added. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, real quick, uh, and maybe, like, I think even, like, Matt, you said, maybe the whole Christian ending would have been more like something out of Tarkovsky film mm-hmm. rather than, like, just going on this hell-bent revenge. He forgives the guy, you know? I don't know. Well, go ahead. No, no, I was, I completely agree. Um, no, just... It was just another, I feel like it was another little ploy for Oscar gold, yeah. to be honest with you. <laughs> just having him die and just like, yeah. oh, I avenged everything, I avenged my son, now I die. But it was just kind of like, okay, that's, yeah. I I have to agree with everybody here, because it did feel like, um, it, it did feel more like the way, I did interpret it more like the way Alex was like a question being posed. And then Alonso brought up a really insightful perspective on it. And then Aaron as well. And then, but Lucia, you pointed it out how actually really awkward it is. It and is. Like, it doesn't build up to that moment. It just just happens. Just Yeah, because it feels like you just cut to it immediately, especially after this procession of the Arikara, as they're passing by him quite literally like less than six feet, right? After they basically do this dirty deed for him. And then it just like cuts into this close shot where like we've had, I think we did have several close shots throughout this film, but this is like the first close, close shot where we have, I think for glass, especially where it's not in the bear fight scene, it's just him in the frame. And he just kind of does this like slight head tilt. And then like, you see his eye line just like go slightly off center and I don't know if this is a blue-eyed person thing, but like so with light-colored eyes, it looks like they're staring at the camera, but they're not. And it's just like, 
I don't know. I also like, this is a thing that I hate when you get super into films and like the more you know about filmmaking, the harder it is to just accept and like basically take in the whole film like for what it is and enjoy it. Like your brain, it's hard to just turn off the film language analytic part of your brain. Because when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's a weird, that's a weird camera angle. That I don't like that. You know, like my brain just completely changed it. It took me out of the story. Takes you out of the scene, the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, all righty. I, I think I'm going to see uh, one last thing before we get into our the, the, the next part of our segment. Because I think we've <laughs> spoken length about the film and its uh, decisions. Um, the one thing that I really liked retrospectively, but then I saw it and it made me laugh. Um, is when Fitzgerald is trying to try to talk to uh, Glass and try to convince him to he's trying to communicate that to put him out of his misery, just 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 blink Glass. <laughs> and I swear that moment reminds me of that meme of that. Have you seen that meme of of the puppy with like two broken like front arms and he's just looking like a crackhead and he's just staring at that. <laughs> he's just trying so hard not to make eye contact no <laughs> no i've never seen this no. did, did anyone else watch that scene and try not to blink with glass because <laughs> i failed that was so hard he stayed wide open for so long it was also like a very open and openly interpretive scene because here you have fitzgerald like just fucking blink like let me let me do this for you it also felt like he was kind of channeling his character from Peaky Blinders a little bit in that confrontation. I don't know if it was just me because I really loved him in Peaky Blinders. So I was just like, is this how, you, you know, whatever. But then like how then Glass is just kind of laying there and then he does this like really prolonged eye closing yes. where Fitzgerald interprets it as a blink. But we as the audience know it's not a blink. That's like a completely different answer. Yeah. But because his eyes were closed... Fitzgerald was just like, say less, that I'm, I'm gonna do this for you. And then just like fucking totally plugs the nose, covers the mouth, like, let's go. And you're just like, what? This is not what he wanted. But then we know things take a turn when like Hawk is like, oh my God, you're killing them. And Fitzgerald's like, shut up, kid. And then like stabs him. And you're just like, yeah, that's like the part where I'm like, what was, what was the choice there? What was the little nugget of story we're missing? Because that was so open that it's just, it hasn't left my brain. Mm-hmm. I took it as like he like he knew that there was no like way to get out of that because he had to blink eventually mm-hmm. but he kind of but when he cho- i feel like the blink that he did was like a controlled blink like he realized because glad uh, not glass fitzgerald was talking about the benefits of him dying for his kit for hawk specifically like like we're all gonna die if you don't like die, uh like just let us do it now mm-hmm. so i think that was just kind of like a moment of him accepting like he chose to blink in that way because he realized he had to die and that's why it was like a long one because it was like accepting of death kind of or whatever and then it wasn't until he uh Fitzgerald killed hawk that he was like like i'm going to kill you like i'm fighting for my life again kind of mm-hmm. so, right. took it so we're just done uh talking with the five year uh the five year review the discussion behind the film and now we're going to ask very simply um what would we change? We don't have letter grades. We don't have a numerical grade. Uh, we find them inconsistent, but uh, we, ask a, we ask a constructive question instead of what would we change? And uh, I feel like there's quite a bit to change around here, y'all, honestly. Mm-hmm. What would you change, Valente? 
uh, just the ending, the way Lucia uh, described it, and maybe add a little bit the way Aaron did too with the natives, you know, mm-hmm. on their way, really leaving, enjoying the scenery. I would definitely incorporate those two endings because it it is awkward when I rewatched it. Yeah, I'm on board with that one because that's literally the only. That's really the only critique I have of this film. Everything else I enjoyed. The score was amazing. Of course, I'm not. I don't want to change the score. I think the score was insanely good. It was also like I recognize. I'm um, to go on a tangent. I recognize several Japanese instruments being made and or being used throughout the film. And I was like, wait a minute, this feels very not that it feels very samurai or like you know a Japanese film, but I was like hold on, this is piquing my interest. And maybe that's because I just finished the 1995 Ghost in the Shell that same week before watching this film. So I looked it up and it was actually a Japanese composer by the name Ryuchi Sakamoto who composed everything. And there's a lot of percussion and string instruments, but I think that was like such an interesting use of a culture that's not depicted in this film to use those instruments to like really build a suspense, especially with the tribes approaching. Anyway, that's just more like a praise thing rather than Whoa. a feedback thing. Inyarito's so crazy with his music choices. For right? Certain, like, just drums for Birdman? Mm, I haven't seen Birdman, but I'm going to have no, to watch it now. Mm-hmm. I think that's my favorite film. Okay. But what would you change, Lizia? <laughs> the ending? Uh, I think the ending. I think the one part that also... I the technical was so awkward. So he's having the conversation with the Pawnee refugee, the one, the lone um, native guy who they share that meal with over like the three dead uh, wolves and everything. He's, I think he's, it's that conversation where he's talking about like revenge is in the hands of creator, or he's talking about how I think his whole village was like killed off and he was the lone survivor. Right. And then uh, glass finds, like sympathizes with him because he went through a similar ex- experience when his village was attacked and those settlers attacked all the Pawnee there. And he and his son were the only survivors that the lip sync didn't match. So you could tell when his lips were moving, but the dialogue wasn't going and vice versa. And that was such a awkward mistake to use in such an overall quality film of such high technical caliber that I was like, this doesn't, this feels very lazy. Like this was a very lazy mistake. Like I feel like you have literally such quality control throughout the whole film that this one part was they were probably like, we probably ran out of time or what have you or budget. But like, I definitely, it was definitely just the one thing I'm like, I just want to fix this and then fix sounding. And then literally it's good like that. But just that one part, I was like, mm, I don't like that lip sync. Okay. Yeah. Technical, technical ending. Very technical. Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to contribute? <laughs> I love you. My God. I was mimicking like Catholic school teachers of old that are like, you're real quiet today. That's just kind of the vibe for today's episode. The Catholic school vibes. <laughs> <laughs> You bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, what I would change, Professor Ventura, I think <laughs> I would, I don't know, would I have Leo in this role? Okay, what would be your dream cast for this role then? Oh, oh. 
I don't know, but for some reason, yes. I would love Keanu Reeves. <gasps> yes. Whoa. I could see him. I could see, right? him. I can see that. Yeah. Holy That's like really easy to like swap around. Thank you. And then, then, then I would be okay with Keanu getting the Oscar for this. Like Leo getting the Oscar for this? No. But having Ke- Keanu in this movie, in this role, I would give him the Oscar. I would be like, yes, Keanu Reeves, absolutely. Did you know that Christian Bale was slated to play Hugh Glass? Oh, was he? he couldn't, yeah, he couldn't do it. I was watching this on Amazon, so it was giving me all that X-ray trivia thing. Yeah. Apparently he was slated, um, but he had scheduling conflicts and then didn't end up doing it. But it makes me think, if Christian Bale was in this, I feel like it'd be too for Trapper Batman survivalist, because we already get a sense of his survivalism in the earlier Batman trilogy movies. Mm-hmm. So I think Leo DiCaprio was a better choice in terms of reality, but... Yeah. I do have to agree. Keanu Reeves would be a very interesting oh thing God. to see. Thank you. I would rewatch it. Yeah. Absolutely pulled me into his uh, side now. Thank you. <laughs> That's interesting. Talk much, though. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Honestly, it does feel like a perfect role for Keanu Reeves. Um, yeah. I mean, well, we talked about the ending. I do like how Lucia described the way that she would have ended it with the with like a zoom out and like a landscape of Leo by himself. I probably would do something similar to that. But aside from that, I couldn't think of too many things to change. I do have like a wish list of things that I would like to see the, the actor who played Hawk. I feel like I would like to see him in something else. I'm not too familiar with him. He probably is in, in other work, but just want to see, uh, more of my fellow POCs in some in some great roles, and I think he he would shine in in a lot of films. I think he has a uh, like the type of leading uh, feel to him. Like if he found like the right movie, I think he would be a great leading character. But I, I mean, he probably is. I like, like I said, I don't know. I don't know too much about his uh his other work, but it's unfortunate that he was. Uh, in this film for for not so long and with just a few lines. I guess it's not really a thing I would change about the movie, but just like I would mm-hmm. wish to see. Totally. Aaron. Look at my notes. Um, I think just the way that that kind of the way the perspective shots of of Glass in terms of like flashbacks or him like seeing his kids that aren't really there. I mean, his wife that isn't really there. I don't like it all just kind of reminded me too much of gladiator honestly just in terms of like this guy on a journey and he's about to die and like I don't know, like it just I just kind of wish they tried something a little bit more just different I guess just try to play with it a bit more than just kind of go for the safer thing something more um, original you mean the a little a little more Keanu a little more Keanu you 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 think if they like got rid of the those uh, artsy moments, you think it, if maybe if it was just like a completely uh, like a flashback, maybe between Hawk or like no, I like the artsy moments. I think I just wish they expanded on it more. I guess because it was like it was like literally like five to ten second shots, and then they would just kind of like come back to it after another thirty minutes. So I think like if they kind of just kind of had it more be like a. I don't know. I'm just kind of because I didn't feel it. I just saw it. Like I, feel, I honestly don't feel like any real emotion 
emulated for me from the shots personally. So I just kind of wish they kind of went for something more expanded, I guess, or just kind of a little bit more developed. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Another thing, just what I mentioned earlier about like, it would have been cool if they had some really familiar faces, not like A-list actors, but like B to C-list that just kind of died at the beginning, just kind of have some level. But I mean, the suspense wasn't really that important in the end either way, so I don't really care too much. But let's see. Um, I'm just going through my notes. Sorry. Um, um, uh, I really wish the the, the Native America, is this America? This takes place in America, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Native American that um that like helped Glass and like fed him like the bison or whatever. I just wished he had like they, I wish they didn't kill him off. I really liked his character a lot, and it just kind of felt cheap. Not cheap, but like the reason they killed him off to me wasn't that important of a reason. So I just kind of wish they kept him. Yeah, it was almost like he was just unfortunately in the wrong place in the wrong time once the french were like approaching wherever they wanted to camp and then he was hung up on the tree it was also just like i don't know it definitely feels like a not cheap but like almost like a cop-out like he really liked this character it felt like there was a humanity to him and this mutual understanding of like we're both trying to survive and we both are like going on our separate missions but like we'll try to make it through this tundra and then Hugh just wakes up and just by the grace of God of him being a white man gets, you know, not killed by the French. Cause who knows if like the French actually stumbled on their camp. Right. And like found glass, but like glass, you know, just like laser, not to bring this circling back to like white privilege. Right. But like, you know, it just definitely feels like a cop out where like, you know, our poor native characters just like hanging on a tree with like, I think I forgot what the sign says in French. It's like one isn't, here one is a savage i think something like that yeah um but yeah also the frenchman in this film i'm like hmm you're very chaotically neutrally more towards evil but like yeah i don't know they're a very interesting plot device to to use in this film for sure definitely a bias there in terms of nationality and that kind of stuff but yeah like i was just gonna like because it felt like the purpose of his death was pretty much saying like oh why people um like are being unfair to native americans and it's like no fucking shit like that's the whole movie like mm-hmm. why kill off a good character for that reason you know like right. that's often the message that they've been telling either way like yeah um let's see um there was a shot speaking of the director that um that alonso was talking about Trubosky? tarkovsky <laughs> Tarkovsky, there we go. I know he's famous. So I butchered that for sure. But um, you, when describing the shots, you mentioned like something about like just long shots and like involving like wilderness and fire and that kind of stuff. And there was actually a shot in, that involved like a tree being cut down and burned. Mm-hmm. It, like it lasted like about five seconds, and I wished it would have lasted like ten to fifteen. I just really thought it was a nice statement shot. Um, yeah, and then um, the last thing for me, I guess, is just kind of like the editing rhythm of this movie was just kind of all over the place. Like the actual pacing was fine, but for some reason, just the editing specifically was kind of weird for me. Yeah. What do you mean? It? Like in between like documentary style editing and and editing, editing and narrative editing or what kind of styles of editing? I, know, I made these notes a while ago, but I'm guessing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think just like literally the 
like when they chose to cut into the next one and like their L shots and like it just kind of like it wasn't yeah. bomb, but it kind of was a little too unpredictable for me I guess right mm-hmm. but it didn't ruin the pacing at all it was just kind of like yeah, yeah. yeah. Lonzo did you top us off um I think when I think about till mass that I would, yeah, mm, I agree. I yeah. would recast, but for me personally, uh, I want to recast it with any famous people. Period. I would just hire unknown actors to play the lead act, the lead role, basically. Almost something similar to like Son of Saul, where it just it feels more grounded and real. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, and that you even mentioned like, I'm pretty sure, yeah, he didn't get his face dirty because you know it's in contract or whatever. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if you hired a known actor, he would have been willing to do it or, you know, they wouldn't have been as, like, sensitive about it or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, and I feel like they might have done it on purpose, was the scene of them waiting for a glass to die. It felt, I felt like that was, like, genuinely the slowest part of the whole movie for me. And I, like I said, I don't know if they did it on, I felt like they probably did do it on purpose. And... Besides that, it's uh yeah, like I said, some of the more like I guess yeah, call it Americanized part of the script I wasn't super crazy about. Just the whole like getting into like a random action sequence just to wake the people up, you know. Cause you, you know, obviously, you know, it's just you know, you wanna make money, you don't wanna make the movie too deep and important, you know. But yeah. that's about it for me, honestly, okay. with the changes. All right, cool. All righty, does it stand the test of time, y'all? I don't know. Stand the test of time. Mm. I think I think this movie does and will stand the test of time. Um, I think that, like the film, like we talked about this a lot. Like it was like described as like, uh, and. An Olympic marathon for, for Leo <laughs> and probably the rest of the crew as well. So I think there's going to be like a mythology behind this movie going forward about how it was made, the the cast members, the people involved, the awards that it won, uh, the, uh, the whole point of Leo getting his first Oscar off of this movie. I think there's a lot of good things just like solely based on like a technical storyline perspective that is all executed very well. And on top of that, like there's like a, an entire mythology behind this movie. So I think this is going to be talked about for, for years That's and years true. to come. That's true. I can see that. I agree. I think it's, it's almost like a film for me. It's definitely a film where it's like you watch once it stands with you. You don't necessarily need another rewatch. It also feels cause we've been tossing around, um, the phrase Oscar gold. It feels very film school gold. It feels like one of those films oh, yeah that they're going to be talking about in critique um, in film schools or film classes. They're going to be able to be like, oh, you, you, have you seen The Revenant? Oh, it's so good. Like, you should watch it. Like, storytelling, identity, blah, blah, blah. Like, it feels like one of those films where it's almost like its own textbook for budding uh, film school students and, like, what they want to do and, like, learning storytelling and, like, editing and, like, shots and things like that. I think it, pre- it presents itself as great... Um, 
I don't want to say exhibitionism, but almost like an exhibition of like all the tools with filmmaking that you can achieve to create a great story. And like Alex is saying, like it'll create its own mythos and like renown as like it ages and like more people talk about it, especially using as a point of reference for learning more about film, especially if you're interested in like getting to film your own stuff and like learning your own storytelling. I feel like it would be that. But then again, there's some films that are even tossed around in film school that are like, they're great, but they're not necessarily like the most technically insane like this film, but they present like good counterpoints. Um, and how is that related to The Revenant? I just feel like to like someone who's not into film as like a career, it'd be like a cool art film to see being like, oh, art film, like let's try this one out. Like I heard there's nature and there's a bear. But like for someone who like, you know, is, you know, more in line with us and like how we are and also our listeners who are like really, really super passionate about film they feel like this is going to be the film that's on that perpetual list of like 50 films you need to see during yeah. art school or film college or what have you. Yeah. It definitely feels like that. Yeah, no, I think that was really insightful. Yeah, Sorry, Matt, you were going to say something? No, <laughs> no, I was just going to round up what they were saying. No, I was just, I'd same. I was just going to do the same thing. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, the film has kind of already cemented its place in pop culture history. It's solely based on the fact that it's the one that got Leo his Oscar. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Leo is such a staple of cinema, specifically American cinema, in, in our culture, just through now memes and, you know, his back catalog of movies that this is one that like people will still be talking about. Like, oh, yeah, this is what he got his Oscar for. Spoiler alert, I think he should have gotten the Oscar for The Aviator in, you know, 2004, sorry, not 2014. Oh, I haven't um, seen that one. Where he plays uh, billionaire tycoon Howard Hughes, and he's a complete neurotic mess, and it's amazing. Martin Scorsese directed, it's a great, great, great film. I thought you were going to say Basketball Diaries. That's what Ah. I was putting my bet on. (laughs) Well... I mean, I, I, think, I think everybody said the ones I would like would have been okay with him winning. Yeah. I feel like it'll stand the test of time the same way movies like like The Gladiator or even like Master and Commander have stand the test of time today, where it's kind of like, it's not going to stand out like a sore thumb, but it'll be remembered as like a movie that was raved of at the time. And it's still objectively really good. I think it'll survive, but I think like it, like that's kind of what the half-life of it would kind of look like. Mm-hmm. I also kind of feel like the critical appreciation for it will decrease over time. I feel like, I, I, I totally feel like, you know, let's say 50 years down the line, it'll be seen as like, oh, okay, yeah, like it was a decent film. It won a bunch of Oscars, but I, I think people will see how some of it feels kind of forced specifically, you know, for being Oscar gold or film school gold. I, I, I feel like there'll be that point kind of made across it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for future Oscar gold films. Cause if we already think this is Oscar gold, imagine like five years, 10 years from now, we see the next Oscar gold film. And then like, you know, this movie will pale in comparison from how forced it is. So it'll also be interesting to see how it ages even in the long term, especially with like a more formulaic sense of creating these Oscar worthy films. Yeah. So, 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ooh, yeah, especially with Taika Waititi's uh, his own. Um, yeah. Because now he has some leg room, and I'm I'm loving Reservation Dogs, so I'm interested if he's gonna take that and make it into a cinematic piece for himself. Reservation Dogs is directed by Taika Waititi. He's pretty. He pretty. He's like producing it. He's helping them. Produce oh, interesting. It. Alrighty, and okay, cool, and uh, yeah, everybody. Uh, that's a wrap on season one of 2015 Cinema Studs Reviews. Oh my god! Oh my god! Hey, wow. season finale. Well, yeah, I that was it. Prepared yeah. for this. Oh, good. Ready. Ready, <laughs> we should have had like our own little like Zoom alcohol drinks and then like a fake <laughs> fake brindis, a fake little We'll definitely do like a recording, like a, uh, uh, <laughs> a little celebration, but yeah. I love it. Um <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it's but been yeah. A pleasure. Cool, yeah. Uh everybody wanna plug in their stuff real quick? Yeah, just go ahead. Uh, alphabetically, Aaron, go. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at on Instagram. And that's all I've got. Uh, follow me on uh, Instagram at Camera Vega and TikTok at Camera Vega. You can find me on Instagram as Lucia Ventur AAA. Um, and I have a link tree there. All my links, um, you'll find me. So just find me on Instagram. Oh, and for all things old Hollywood and pop culture related, you can follow me at some like it Matt on Instagram. My little icon is a um, little me as a Pokemon trainer with Meganium and Espeon. You can follow your host at Lent B Martinez on Instagram. Go ahead and follow the podcast uh, Instagram page. Uh, a uh, quick shout out to our one German listener, uh, Gestu Kino. Uh, hope you're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, name dropping. <laughs> international, baby. Yeah, I, I just I just said the the cinema in, in German. So <laughs> I hope. I oh, like it. <laughs> Ooh, it's so fancy. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, everybody else is American. Uh, howdy, um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, give the production uh, company a follow at Artinas Productions, and we're excited to uh, to to tackle 2016 and try to catch up to our actual timeline. <laughs> yes, and if you are listening to this on Spotify, don't forget to follow us on Spotify as well. So don't click away before clicking that follow button. Yeah, get the new uh, updates, baby. A friend of the podcast, Tom Hardy. Oh, yes, yeah. friend, of the, friend of the podcast. And friend of the podcast, Lady Gaga. Don't forget to go see House of Gucci on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> <laughs> November 25th. November 25th. Yes, this is the right. Okay. All right. All right. Bye, listeners. Bye. Peace, y'all. Season two.